great to, to worship together. Oh, hi, guys. I'm glad that you're here, and uh, as we continue kind of in this theme of leaning into God's love and helping that shape a little bit of our love, we're looking at relationships and what's the scripture have to say about relationships. And we said we're going to look at kind of how do you navigate the, the single season of life. Tonight, we're going to look at kind of the dating, engaged season of life, and we'll get married uh, next week. And so I know for some of you, you're in a different season, and you go, well, why do I need to hear this? Because I'm already married. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, but you know people who are dating. You know people who are maybe in that season of life. Maybe uh, you're single or maybe single again. And in those moments, in those seasons, I'm convinced God has some things for us to be about and learn from and to grow in the midst of that season, wherever we may be in that. Some wisdom maybe we can pass on to friends and family that, that we're connected, people that cross our path. And so one of the resources we looked at uh, in putting this series together was Ben Stewart's book. He's a pastor of Passion City Church in D.C., and he wrote a book called Single Dating Engaged Married, yeah, you got it. So, uh, like, he wrote a book titled that, and, and he kind of looks at these different seasons uh, and, and how you navigate that, what's the scripture have to say. And so we kind of use that as a guideline for some of these things. And last week, just going to do a quick review of looking at singles. How many singles here? It's okay, remember? Raise your hand, look around. Okay. Um, but you want to learn to navigate this season of life well, but you do not need a romantic interest to discover life's purpose. Our world tries to tell us that, but it's not reality. Now, it's a great thing. It's a good thing, but it's not the thing. This idea of us having a relationship with God is what matters most because the reality is the relationship with a guy or girl is important and it's nice, but it's not the critical relationship that God's most interested in. The one he's most interested in is the one that he has with you, and he wants to grow that, and he's concerned with that. And oftentimes when we bring God-sized needs onto normal people, that relationship cannot last, and it cannot fulfill in a way. And so it's realizing that, hey, this is not where this is supposed to be all our needs met. God's meant to meet some of these for this to possibly succeed. We kind of aimed at two different things. We said, work on in that single season or that single again becoming the one that God desires you to be. Paul writes in, in Corinthians, he talks about this idea of having this undivided devotion for God and working on that relationship with him. And then we said also it's about working on yourself, becoming the one that the one you're looking for is looking for, and, and taking some steps to make progress in your own life. It's not about perfection, you'll never be perfect. But it is about being healthy and about uh, working on progress in that. And, and I know for a lot of singles, talking to a few, just you feel like you're in this incredibly long, eternal season of waiting. And waiting can feel like a punishment almost. But listen, waiting is not a punishment. It's a process. And in the season of waiting is when God can do some of his greatest work in helping you become more of what he wants you to be and refining you to become maybe what the one you're looking for is looking for a little bit better. And, and I know it's, it's tough to wait, but really the only thing more difficult than waiting on God is wishing you had. And so it's important to, to harness that season. So tonight we're going to look at this idea of dating and engage, mostly dating. And what's the scripture have to say about that? Now, there's a lot of universal things that happen to every single one of us in life. How many of you have ever been drinking something and then laughed and it came out your nose? Okay, how many of you, so you've been walking since like wee high and uh, you've tripped 
You're like, I've been doing this for years. I, I don't know why I tripped here. How many, anyone ever stepped in gum? Okay, universal, we kind of all have done that. Anyone been on an awkward or bad date? Okay, some of you don't want to play. Um, listen, dating is tough, isn't it? Dating can be awkward, can it? Dating can be scary. And this whole idea of how do you figure out like who to date and like what's that look like and how does it not go creep factor and like just trying to figure out how do you engage in this whole dating thing. See, our world struggles with that, but it's universal in the sense that most people on the planet want to get married. Not everybody, and that's okay, but most people have a desire maybe for that. And so this dating is kind of what we have figured out. This American culture has created this process or this game or this something. I don't even know what to call it, but this dating adventure. And it's a challenge. And, and we all think that in a lot of ways it's like playing hopscotch on a minefield. It's just a, a matter of time before you get hurt in the process. And yet we want to love and be loved, and so we pursue love even in the strangeness of this. That's why Taylor Swift is a multimillionaire. She has a great voice, yes, but she sings about the heartache of relationships and the whole world sings along, doesn't it? Because this is reality. And some people would say, I, I don't know what to do, or maybe you've been in the dating scene for a while and, and you quit because <laughs> you're like, I just don't even like this anymore. And maybe you've been wanting to be in that scene. So tonight we're going to talk about how to get a date. Actually, we're not going to talk about how to get a date. Uh, you would not want my advice on that. So, because uh, I was king of first dates in college. I had a lot of those, uh, not many second dates. Um, but then the Lord was gracious and brought me Amy out of my league and, and I was saved. Um, but finding someone is easy. That's the truth. Finding someone who's right is a challenge. And it's a difficult thing. But one of the greatest dangers, I think, in our modern perception of dating is the tendency to approach it from a consumer mentality versus a companion mentality. We, we want to consume relationships, and so we want what we want. And so we go shopping. I'm going to find the person who has the right characteristics, the right specifications, the right person I see in my mind, and that's what I'm looking for. And I'm waiting through that, and I find someone, and then I'm going to keep them around until suddenly my requirements change. And so does my relationship, because you don't meet what I want. And so it's this really cyclical thing and kind of sick thing when you think of it from a consumer mentality and approach. See, our natural disposition and our own brokenness, if we'd be honest with ourselves, we'd admit that our our natural disposition in relationships is to champion self-importance and self-interest. Not the other person even at all. What we want is what we want. And so we look for that. And friends, that is not a healthy foundation in order to build a healthy relationship, is it? So the scriptures don't have a lot to say about dating per se, but they have a lot to say about relationships and evaluation. So that's what I want us to wrestle with a little bit tonight. So the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter two, he writes some incredible words that help us with relationship and how do we approach this relationship? What's the mindset I'm to have? He writes these words in chapter two, verse three and four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interest, but each to the interest of the other. And then he begins to lay out this example of Jesus. 
and how Jesus did this and submitted himself even unto the cross. This humility position to value others before yourself. I wonder if dating would be different if we did it from that vantage point. That if we said, hey, we we care about the other person. Yes, I have needs and yes, I have desires and yes, I have dreams of what I want and we don't throw those away. But we don't keep them on the front burner and nothing else. We say, hey, you matter and you matter to God and therefore you're gonna matter to me. And it's not just about me and not just about my opinions and what I want and what I desire. Uh, Dan Slater wrote a book called Love in the Time of Algorithms. He noted that the very first online dating service attempted to match people based on what they said they wanted. And so they would write these characteristics. They would say men would maybe log on and say, okay, I want a tall, blonde, educated woman. And the dating service would search through its database and it would spit back, here's what you said you wanted. And the problem was, it wasn't working. And so they hired this guy to come in and figure out what was wrong with the algorithm. People were saying, this is what I want, and yet they would hardly ever make it past the first date. And so it really wasn't a great dating service. So how do they fix this? And a gentleman came in, he did a whole bunch of research on it, and here's what he found, the problem. The problem was not with the algorithm, the problem was with the people. People saying, I want this, but it wasn't reality. Because, see, you can create someone in your own mind, and they're not a real person. They're a cyborg or something, and that is another sermon for another generation, right? Because we can create something that in reality is not even what we think is the best, but not maybe the best for us and maybe not necessarily even what we need. And we've created something that's not real. And so relationships are hard to put a formula to. That was match.com, now they're doing a little better now. But they've changed their questions, and they've changed the approach and the vantage point of that. I know people who have met on that and have have a great healthy marriage coming from that. But see, this reality of what we think about dating, we wanna put a formula, we wanna put steps to it, But it's so much deeper than that because relationships are so much more complex than just a formula. If you think about dating, in essence, it's in one way we portray it as kind of this game, uh, this adventure that we go on. But think of, I want you to think of dating uh, and that season of dating as evaluation. What are you evaluating? Another person. Why are you evaluating them? Because you want to see if you can pledge your life to journey with this person. That's what you're evaluating. And see, the Bible has a lot to say about that. It doesn't have very much specifics to talk about this idea of dating because, listen, shocker, there weren't dates back then. Like this whole process of what we go through didn't exist back in the Bible times, okay? There was this thing called arranged marriages. Now, as a dad of two daughters, I am really leaning toward this. Uh, and I think this is a great thing, and I can't believe we've cast it away. Um, but I know I don't really have a choice, and so I really can't uh, put that in. Um, but there's a part of me that would like that. But the Bible has a lot to say about relationships and about evaluation. So think of this. Proverbs is full of this, okay? So here's two verses for a guy and a girl, right? Proverbs 25, verse 24 says this. It is better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house 
shared with a contentious woman. What is he saying? Is he writing this to a married guy who's hanging on the side of the building going, now you tell me? No, he's writing this for a single guy who's evaluating. Who should I marry? And what he's saying is, look, be careful. If the girl you're interested in is combative all the time, if she constantly is arguing with her roommates and with her friends, then you better be careful. Because if you marry her, there may be very little peace in your house. So, evaluate. Be wise. Now one for the ladies. Uh, a couple verses later, verse uh, 25, verse 28 warns this. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Meaning, does that cute guy that you're interested in, does he have a temper? Does he explode in anger and bully and berate his friends? Then don't marry that guy. Because it will not be fun. And you won't enjoy. In fact, it will destroy you. And you won't feel safe around him. So the scriptures have a lot to say about this evaluation. It's full of passages like this. It's full of passages that talk about a godly woman, what that's like, and a godly man, what they're like, and the attributes that you want to look for. So it has a lot to say about relationships and about evaluation. What are you looking for? I think when you go through the process of dating or navigating that season and trying to navigate it well, I think I would maybe boil it down. I'd agree with one of uh, Ben's things that he says in his book is that you really are looking for character and chemistry. And you want both. You want character in the guy that you're interested in, that he has a godly character and cares about people, cares about God, cares about himself and the people around him. You want him to have an anchor in that. You want to have that. You also want to have chemistry. You want to be able to hang out together and that you like them, and that you actually like having conversations, and that you kind of click. You want character and chemistry. You don't want just chemistry. Oh, he's awesome, he's cute, it's amazing, and you talk for hours and all that kind of stuff, but you never have any deep conversations. And you never have core value discussions and trajectory of life and where you want to go, and suddenly this cute, cool couple gets married, and two or three or four or five years in, when big-time life decisions have to be made, they've never talked about it. And the trajectory of their life is going different, and they struggle, or they get to a place where they decide they're better off with someone else because they never got to know character. Or you find someone with great character, but they're so boring, and they're not fun. And after five minutes, you like wanna stab your eye out. Listen, don't do that to yourself, okay? You don't have to find someone who's just character or just chemistry. You want to find someone with both. You want solid, godly character who has fun, easy chemistry. You wanna look for that person. See, the process of dating is not a formula. It is a process. It is an adventure in some ways. It's about putting yourself in wise scenarios where you have the opportunity to look around. Now, listen, this is my dad heart. Um, I always tell some of my, I tell my kids, and I've told youth group kids for years, I think group dates are the best thing. Here's why. A, it's cheaper. B, if you don't like the person you're interested in at first, look around. Maybe there's someone else. And so you have an opportunity here. You, you also want to approach relationships in this dating season with making a long-range choice 
here's what I mean by that. Choose to have commitment precede intimacy. Choose to have commitment in that relationship precede intimacy. See, if you switch the order of that, what you've created is pseudo-feeling of commitment that cannot bear up under the weight of the future of where that relationship needs to go. You've created something that's counterfeit. This counterfeit commitment that is not real commitment. It's just been poured a little fuel on and set on fire. And passion has come too quick, too early in that. Physical intimacy alone will not create a lasting commitment. In fact, it creates a confusing connection, really. It may feel good, but it's not... See, this idea of um, physical intimacy exists to help strengthen the commitment that's already there and that's been forged. And when we switch the order of these, we create some weird dynamics and some confusing scenarios. Real commitment takes time to grow. And you don't want to begin it falsely or fostering this counterfeit commitment. The Bible has a lot to say about healthy sexual boundaries. And I don't have time to hit it tonight. In your sermon notes, I put a couple different things that I'm not going to touch on tonight. But remember, you're, you're evaluating on chemistry and character. And that takes time to discover that. You wait and watch long enough to truly see someone's character. Some people will be obvious right away that they're unsuitable to date. In the first date or the first conversation, you're going to find out that they're insensitive, that they're short-tempered, that they're perverted, they're narcissistic, whatever it may be, and you can rule it out. For others, it may take a little bit of time to actually see the real true character. Because listen, we can all fake someone out, right? We do it all the time. So you want to watch long enough that you can see. Consider the movie Frozen, remember? Prince Hans, he was awesome. Anna thought he was the greatest thing ever, right? Love had opened the door. And this is what was going to happen. And yet, you fast forward a few scenes, and he betrays her, leaves her to die. Kristoff was the one true love, right? Ladies, don't settle for a Prince Hans when Kristoff might be right around the corner. So don't go too fast in this. It takes time. Remember last week we talked about this idea of running, that in your single status, in your single season, you're running with undivided devotion after God, and you're looking around to see if there's other people who are maybe running in a similar trajectory, that they're chasing after God, and you're looking around to go, okay, he's cute, she's cute, Um, and you run for a while, and if they can keep up with you, then maybe you decide to run a little closer to one another, and this is where you want to be, and in this dating season, you want someone who's not just a believer in God, but a pursuer of God. Anybody can say, I love Jesus. Anybody can say those words. What you want is a life that backs those words up. You want someone who says, this is the passion of my life, and I have an undivided devotion for God, and by the way, you caught my eye. And let's run together. That's what you're looking for. Character, chemistry. Most people, uh, sometimes when it comes to relationships, want steps instead of principles. And tonight you're going to get in principles. I understand the idea of wanting steps. Just tell me step one, two, three, four, then, then I, can, I can walk it out from there. Because, see, anyone ever been to Ikea before? 
See, when you go to Ikea and you buy a desk, what you don't want is theory and principles written on a piece of paper of here's the relationship between wood and metal and really long wordy. What you want is simple steps, right? Like show me the pictures of where do I put this, you know, and where do, how do I put this together? I want the desk out of the box and desk that I can use. I want the steps in that. My friends, relationships are not like that. They're too dynamic for that. Relationships are, are like sailing, if you've ever been sailing. You do not get turn-by-turn turn directions when you're sailing because the environment is too dynamic and it changes and you have to roll with it and you have to plan and go. So you want to evaluate well. You want to get to a place where you understand and you're searching after God and saying, I want to date someone with godly character that has good chemistry. I want to know them. I want to know their family. Because you don't just marry that person. You marry into a family. And so it matters that you know what you're getting into. It, It matters that who you're running with, you understand, and that just takes time. And in our culture where we want to shortcut everything, friends, there's no shortcut to finding the right, healthy relationships. I see people all the time take shortcuts. And it might be months or years later, and the angst in their heart where they wish they hadn't. And so be careful in that. So, though I don't have principles, I want to end kind of with this passage that I think has some thoughts for us to wrestle with. First uh, John chapter 4, uh, the Apostle John's writing about God's love for us and writing about this kind of love that, that plays out. And we actually see this a lot in movies and in books and in stories and songs. We actually see some of this play out. So I just want to unpack that a little bit for you. Here's what 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11 says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us first. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, our brokenness, our flaws. We all have them. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since God is so loving to us, active, not just past tense, but loving to us, committed to us, we ought to love one another this way. This is how it should play out. See, love might be invisible, but it is not undetectable. We see it all the time. This is why we go to the movies. This is why we read the books and novels that we read because it motivates us. When a writer or a director wants you to see love between two characters, what's some of the principles they use? Well, the love pursues the beloved. That's just what they do. That, I think of uh, the movie Princess Bride. Have you ever seen it? Remember? Princess Buttercup's taken away. She's whisked away by her captors. And what does she say? What does she say? My Wesley will come for me. Right? And so all throughout the movie, she has this phrase. Why does she believe that? Because the thing between them is what? True love. Right? That was horrible. Okay. Um, But man and wife say that. Okay. Uh, True love is what exists. And so the, the writer, the director is wanting you to see this. And it's because Wesley's going to pursue the beloved. 
The love sends. Love initiates. It's just what love does. It's what God did. He didn't wait for us to pursue him. He pursued us because we're the beloved. Why? I don't know. But God loves you. God loves me and he's crazy about us. And he pursues because that's what love does. It just sends. It initiates. It goes. Love is, goes and buys flowers. Love writes poetry. Love puts the interest of others in front of itself. Love pursues. It has conversations. It breaks into song. It sends letters. It serves the other. It crosses oceans. Love pursues. And I promise you, maybe you're a guy and I I hit your nerve last week where I talked about that you could play video games. The average 21-year-old guy has played video games for 10,000 hours. And the reality is you can be an expert in anything if you invest 10,000 hours in it. Um, But here's the truth. You show me a guy who's found love, and I promise he won't be on the couch playing video games. He'll be pursuing the one he loves, because that's what love does. It, love sins and initiates. The secondly, love sacrifices. It's what you see all the time. Love sacrifices for its beloved. It's why Jack will drown in the Atlantic Ocean, the freezing water. Never let go. Never let go. In the sinking Titanic. Why? Because he wants to save Rose. She needs to live. She needs to stay. It's why Bruno Mars declares that he will catch an explosive device for you. (laughs) Why does he sing that? Because he knows that's what love does. It sacrifices itself. It's what Jesus did. He came first, and he sacrificed himself to say you're loved, and I want you to know it. Not just know about it or read about it. I want you to feel it and know it. And so I'm gonna give of myself everything I've got so that you, you could not miss how much you're loved. Love sacrifices. Thirdly, love stays. It sticks it out, it stays. It's the last one to walk out of the room. It, it commits itself. It stays. It takes great delight in the presence of the beloved. And it stays even when the stain is hard. It's what we declare in our wedding vows. I promise to love you for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Why do we say that? Because that's what love says. And it's what love commits to. True love is willing to commit to stay to the beloved even when it's complicated. The best it knows how. That's why Adam Sandler, ever, anyone ever seen 50 First Dates? Adam Sandler is pursuing Drew Barrymore's character And she has this amnesia issue, this short-term memory issue, and she forgets him at the end of every day. And yet the next day he's there pursuing. He's willing to stay because that's what love does. It sends and initiates, it sacrifices, and it stays. That's Jesus' love. That's what John's writing about. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you and has for me. It initiates, it sends, it sacrifices, it stays with you. It never gives up on you. And see, when you begin to experience that kind of love in a dating relationship, and love is consistently 
sending and stepping toward your direction and toward the beloved when it consistently sacrifices for the best of the beloved and not just their best. And when love is decided to stay, that's when you can decide to follow Beyonce's orders and put a ring on it. When you get there, you better put a ring on it. So that's this pursuit. Dating's tough. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) But it is a process, and it is a season where we can experience a little bit more of God, have him shape a little bit more of our character, continue to pursue this undivided devotion as you run after him. And as you look around, maybe there's someone that catches your eye, and you run a little closer. You exchange names, phone numbers, emails, I guess, Snapchats, that's probably what it is. And begin to live life a little bit. And, and maybe, maybe in that, God begins to match up some people who can have a companion for life and champion life together. All based on this idea. This is how God loves me. And it's how I want to have his love pour through me to you. That I initiate that you're loved. And so I'm going to step in your direction all the time. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I want the best for you. And I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to commit long past the fleeting feelings. I'm going to stick it out. And as I serve you, and as that person serves you back, you both win. That's kind of what we'll look at next week, this idea of marriage. And so as we move toward a time of communion, we're going to have a time to remember this love that John writes about. In John, 1 John chapter 4, this love that Jesus has for you, has for me. That this love that says, I'm not willing just to wait around until you figure out a way to get to me. But Jesus says, I've got to get to you. And so he does. And he sacrifices and gives of his life, gives up his body, his blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins, that you might have a right relationship with God. Not based on your effort, but based on his effort and what he accomplished. And then the resurrection proves and says, see, I'm gonna forever be with you. I will never leave you. I'm with you thick or thin. And so this invitation to the table is simply a moment to remember that. And what I'd like to do is just kind of pray a prayer of blessing over every one of you who might be in that season of dating or that season of wanting to date, in that season of engagement, you, you found the one and, and you want this to be honoring. So can I just pray for you? We'll move into a time of communion. Uh, we'll have a couple quick announcements. We're gonna end with an, a song that we just invite you to lean into. Um, but let's pray together. God, we love you. And we thank you that you are the one who created relationships. You said it's not good for us to be alone, so you want us to be connected to others, and maybe a portion of that is finding the one that we get to connect our whole life and everything we have to. So, Father, for those that are here in that season of dating or wanting to be in that season or kind of circling around that or maybe here engaged, come to that place of trying to figure out, are we right for one another? And is this something where I can pursue God and pursue you and and, and we're both blessed in the process? Father, I just pray for your absolute best blessing. I pray for the wisdom to evaluate rightly, 
to be attuned to your spirit. It's, it's why we need to have you in our life. It's why we need to have strong counsel of family and friends around us who are healthy and wise, who can help us evaluate, help us see things, maybe from a different angle that we're missing. So I pray that you would surround us with good people that could speak life into us, speak life into these relationships. Father, for every relationship in that season, we pray that you would ignite a heart desire to pursue you with everything they've got in both of them. And as they both run that trajectory of life, that you would just weave their heart closer and closer together in perfect union. That it may be something that it's meant to be. You created marriage to put your love on display for a watching world to see. God, we've wrecked that some ways. We're so sorry but it's beautiful. And so we want to do it right. And so next week as we look forward to dealing with this idea of marriage, I pray your blessing over every married couple here too. Over the dating and the engaged, God, it's tough. It's not easy in our culture. So would you breathe life and hope, renewal and refreshment into our hearts. We remember in this time of communion, Jesus, your love, that your love came first. You didn't wait for us to get it right. You made it right. You sacrificed for us, and you, through your resurrection, have committed to stay with us all the days of our life and on into eternity. So as we take communion, we want to just have a moment to remember that, to thank you for it, and to lean into the hope that you have for our relationships and our friends' relationships around us. Help us to be wise counsel for those as well. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.